Hey guys, let me start by asking you to go to uh, the Facebook page and like Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast and uh, follow me on Twitter and on Untapped at, at JoeBob41. Find us on Instagram, it's Average Joe's uh, Beer Podcast. You can find me pretty easily on all, all the social media outlets. Go on iTunes and subscribe if you can. Go uh, leave a review. Those really help the podcast out you, more than you know. Um, what a huge uh, opportunity this was for me. It all happened by chance, and it all happened because of a friend of mine named Mike Fosno. So, Mike, thank you for uh, sending me that message and, and encouraging me to reach out to my guest today, Jeremy Kosmicki of Founders Brewing. He just happened to be um, doing a keynote for a local brew competition in our area here in the Crest Hill area. So I got lucky and got him to respond to me on Facebook and he agreed to come a little early before the competition and sit down with me at Iron and Glass. So again, I find myself saying this a lot, but thank you to Eric and Colt and Kristen and Maggie for uh, letting me use their space. Colt was an amazing host. He's dropping, you know, five, six year vertical of KBS on us while we're talking. Uh, what a great time. Everybody got to spend some time with Jeremy afterwards and everybody who wanted to meet him and some home brewers and some guys from the JBG. Big shout out to them. Uh, they had a good night at Pale as well at the uh, at the event that he did the keynote on. I talked to Jeremy for about an hour and man, we had a lot of fun. Like he's, he's just a super, super nice guy. And it's kind of a, in the beer world, it doesn't get much bigger than that. The guy, he's responsible for some of the greatest beers that any of us have ever drank kbs and cbs and and mosaic promise and just great beers so without further ado this is the great jeremy kosmicki all right we're live in the iron and glass tap room in romeoville illinois uh we're sitting here with jeremy kosmicki from uh, founders brewing this is average joe's above average beer podcast Say hello to the people, Jeremy. Hello, people. Hello, Joe. How are you? Jeremy, what brings you into our fine area tonight? Uh, I'm going to be keynote speaking tonight at a homebrewers uh, awards dinner. Um, and uh, yeah, I was in the neighborhood, so figured I'd check out a cool place and talk to some peeps. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming out here and doing this. I know you got plenty of things going on, so it's nice that it's kind of worked out really nicely that you're going to be in the Crest Hill area here. So. Uh, Romeoville Iron and Glass is kind of my little home base where I like to get my drink on. So I was like, oh, I could just have him meet, him, meet me here. Yeah, cool place. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Founders and how, how you got started and, and how you got into the beer game in general. So let's start there. I mean, what were you doing before you started brewing beer? <laughs> well, uh, like, like many, I started as home brewer also um, pretty early on. I think we were 19 when we... Uh, ordered our we could order the kit over the internet and they'd send you the kit they'd send you the uh raw materials to make a batch and so we started doing that uh and so then i was by the time i was 25 uh i was unemployed still liked home brewing um rock and roll wasn't really paying the bills either no, but wasn't? no it turns out uh so uh my my then uh, girlfriend, current wife, uh, suggested I go down to Founders. Uh, they were the biggest brewery in town, although they were still pretty tiny, thousand barrels a year kind of brewery or something. Um, and they weren't, you know, it wasn't my favorite beer, anyways. They were at the time, you know, making pretty, pretty main, you know, uninspiring 
wheat beers and amber ales and 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 things that you know keeping it pretty basic my young adventurous mind just wasn't wasn't uh getting into it but uh went down there and applied uh you know just asked if they needed any help sure enough they the guy that ran the packaging line came out and asked if uh if i could start right now and i said sure so that was the uh that was the start of it that was the year 2000 Okay, so how far in is Founders at that point? Founders opened in 97. 97, okay. Yep. So they have been around a couple so like years. Semi-established, but not obviously not the powerhouse they are today. But <laughs> No, they, they had a good-sized brewery. They had a 30-barrel brew house at the time, which is pretty big for you know uh, a, a startup without a real plan. But they were planning on you know doing some volume. Um, when I started, we would brew maybe once, twice a week. Once and or twice a week. Yeah, on that 30-barrel. So you can see we, we weren't doing a whole lot of volume. Um, but they were set up for it. Uh, they just needed, uh, I guess, the right the right beers to come along. Um, and at some point, they just uh, you know decided that those those beers they were making um, just they weren't they weren't doing it. They weren't getting anyone's attention. They wanted to uh, you know brew some big, flavorful, eye-catching beers, and that's kind of what uh, myself and the brewer at the time had done as home brewers. So it turns out uh, Nate Walser, a good friend of mine homebrewing buddy uh while i was on the packaging line he came over and he took the brewer's job he had been assistant brewer out at new holland uh in holland michigan there um, they had the same brew house as us so it was a pretty easy uh transition for him and that was cool so when he started as brewer the assistant brewer left shortly after that i became his assistant brewer and then that was kind of the time frame when we started changing up uh, a lot of the recipes that'll be the era that you found like uh red's rye breakfast stout um, you know, those beers, we fixed the Centennial IPA, yeah. you know, we had some priorities. All those are still kicking today. I yeah, mean, that's, yeah, absolutely. That speaks to it a lot. A dirty say. Bastard came out. I mean, it was, uh, those were the early days. That's when uh, we kind of turned the ship and went in a different direction. And, um, and we're doing things that really weren't being done that, that much at the time, you know, uh, and it, and it, and it, it was successful and that it got, got us attention. It got, uh, some recognition for, um, you know, when uh, with Beer Advocate and Rate Beer coming around on the internet, uh, that was a that's really what kind of kicked off the whole KBS phenomenon. I mean, when you walked in there that day and you you know you got the advice from from the uh, now wife saying yeah. go go in there apply. Like, what did you did you go in there knowing you were applying for like a packaging gig and then you know see what happens or like you just was there a general application like yeah we're just gonna go in there and see if they need help. Yeah, I would have done anything. <laughs> It was. It wasn't a. It wasn't a fill out an application. It was. Bro, I didn't a, have a job. <laughs> I just was. Uh, man. Uh, yeah, I went down there. Asked if they needed any help. I would. Like I would have worked in the tap room, uh, which I did end up getting a bar shift for a little bit there to help supplement. Because like I said, we, yeah. we were only brewing once or twice a week. Means we were only packaging once or twice a week. So I had to try to do everything I could, pick up every odd job around there, just to, you know, make ends meet. And and frankly, I was working for free beer most of the <laughs> most of the time. But you know, I wanted to. I wanted to be in the industry real bad, and I had my foot in the door, and I and I wasn't gonna give it up. Although it, you know, there were times when I didn't know that if founders was gonna be around much longer. You know, after being there about a year, and I kind of find out how grim things really were financially. I was so they may have needed you more than they knew at the time. Well, maybe they knew it, you didn't know. I don't know. I was just. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I think about it a lot. Of course, uh, right place at the right time for sure. Um, I don't know that, you know, I probably wouldn't have got an opportunity like that at many places, and especially these days. It, it's hard for a home brewer to just, you know, 
you know, virtually take over a brewing program like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Regardless of what size it is. But, um, you know, so it was all learning as I go. This is Founders is my only professional gig. Um, I've seen it go from 1,000 barrels to... 466,000 we did last year. So. Wow. I don't even want to try to do the percents in my head. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a lot. But, but I mean, so from from that moment, and you're, you're kind of taking over this assistant brewing job now, and your buddy, homebrew buddy, is now taking over the head, head brewer job there. Yep. So like, when did you guys put out your first one that kind of was like, oh, we might have something here. Like these guys, you know, maybe the founders people are like, okay, maybe we, we got something working here. Let's ride this. Well, the first thing we had to do, because they weren't set up for like, you know, th- those those 30 barrel batches, those had to go into bottles and they had to get sent out. Like that was a way too big of an amount for us to make just like weirdo taproom stuff. So <laughs> one of the first things we got to do is we fabricated a little one barrel system. Um, like, a, like an R&D system yeah, kind of? exactly. Okay. I mean, it was uh, it was raw. It was rough. It didn't get great efficiency, but it allowed us to do a couple of different things. And I know that the first two beers that we made on that was Breakfast Out and Red's Rye. And the Breakfast uh, Out's been kicking around for a while now, right? And uh, and and eventually, we you know the taproom business picked up enough to the point where we could make a batch like that, put it on tap. And it wasn't long before Mike and Dave decided that they wanted to uh, put some of those beers into into bottles, into package, and and send it out. And they wanted those to be the beers that you know, represented us. So were they uneasy sure. about that? Were they kind of like you know, these young guys coming in and kind of like taking over this kind of mindset change or was that something they were just like, yeah, we need this. Let's, I embrace that. Let's, you know, I think it was a bit of desperation for them. They, they were like, um, I don't know. Those, those, those were kind of dark times and how we, how we came to be in was, was nothing like, I don't think Mike and Dave were looking for, for young wild people, it just I think we kind of just <laughs> said how you describe <laughs> it. Took, young wild people. We were a little bit wild. <laughs> we partied hard, but you know we had a we had a strong group of friends that all uh, started coming down to founders and bringing their friends, and it sort of developed like this, you know this this family of of people that uh, you know became our culture, and it's just kind of grown from there um, outward, you know. So, you know, we, but those days, that's when, that's when the core of that was, was established. So your part of the founder story starts, what you say, maybe three, four years into founder's existence. Yep. So do you have like a nutshell for like, how is founders founded in, in general? I mean, uh, their story coming sure. up. Sure. So Mike and Dave uh, were, were friends at, at college, um, decided they wanted to try to open a brewery, worked on the business plan. They got the investments and they did it. Opened, they hired a brewer. Um, and they went for it. Um, <laughs> I don't think they really knew what they were getting themselves into. Um, but, you know, they persevered. Uh, they kind of kept it afloat till, uh <laughs> They did. They, you know, they're by passion. And, you know, they were on the verge of bankruptcy all the time. It must have, you know, I, talking to those guys, it's, it was, I don't think it was a very fun time to... <laughs> So what was the what progression like when, once you kind of got your claws in there with, with your buddy here? So when you guys started brewing Head Brewer, like what, when did you guys finally start to feel like you were making some traction? Yeah, so that was so I, so I took over to Head Brewer, assistant brewer in 2002. Uh, that actually got me on the payroll. Um, I wasn't working for under the table stuff anymore. So that's my official start date. So I just uh, I celebrated 15 years with the company last year. But, you know, in, in my brain, it was closer to 17 of... <laughs> You know, grinding it out. Uh-huh. But uh, you know, by 2005, uh, Nate moved on, so I took over the head brewer position. But 
We were still in the old facility. We moved into the new place in 2007. That's when we kind of outgrew the, the original place. You know, slowly growing year by year. I think we were 14,000 barrels by the time we moved. Um, but then in the new facility with some space to actually grow, that's when we started, you know, feeling the, the 60% a year kind of growth that um, kind of marked those days of, you know, rapid expansion and flying by the seat of your pants and trying to f- figure stuff out as you go. <laughs> flying by the seat of your pants is never a comfortable thing to think about, flying by the seat of your pants. It was, uh, you know, we, we, uh, <clears throat> another great thing Founders has done is surrounded me with people uh, that know what they're doing. Like, uh, you know, I, I don't uh, pretend like I know how to do things that I don't. So I know my strengths. <laughs> I can. Uh, I'm, I'm, I have a, a great palate. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at designing beer. You know, I brewed every batch of beer up until 2007, probably. Really. Um, but you know, it, then I had to start hiring other people to do it, of course, because you know, the volume just demanded it. But you know, I was a hard worker. I, I led by example. Um, but I don't know. I'm not particularly uh, mechanically minded. Uh, when, when, when she would break down, I would have to just call somebody and, uh, the, the company did a good job, team, huh? good, uh, the company did a good job of, of surrounding me with, with people that, you know, that was their strong suit and, and, uh, yeah, it takes, it takes a team. It's, you know, it's not about, it's to, to have a successful brewery takes a lot more than just having, you know, great beer. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. From, you know, we talked earlier about the the sales and marketing side and everything, and yeah. um, uh, that's huge. That's we, we we devote a lot of resources to that, and and that's you know has a lot to do with um, our success. So, what about your early days? Like, did you have a philosophy, or did you were you just like you were just putting your head down and going, like just wild man brewing? Like, how you describe yourself as wild man? Like, like well, you guys getting nuts. I mean, did you have a certain style you like to stay with, or something that inspired you, or? You know, I mean, I don't think our, our, the beers were they were just different. We were thinking outside the box. We were we weren't afraid of of, of high alcohol, um, you know, aggressive use of, of hops, uh, you know, started barrel aging pretty early back in those days, um, just creating flavors. But, you know, I would say the key to being able to do all that stuff is to have a, a balance in the um, you know flavors. I think far too many people, even still today, like you just get too heavy in a direction, you know, and it's, you can get crazy with hops. You can throw a lot of them in there, but you got to have a little bit of, of malt to balance that out. Brewing beer is all about having that balance. And I think that uh, we've always maintained that. Um, when people hear core. balance, do you, th- do you think sometimes people's brains, when they hear balance, they think like subtle and they think like, but, but you can do that in extreme levels, right? Absolutely. Like kinda, yeah, that's the key to to pull on that off into making something that people want to, you know, actually drink, you know, a fair amount of rather than, you know, some stuff you, you, you try it and you're like, wow, that's, that's, that's crazy, man. But you're not going to drink a glass of it or something. So there's a time and place for those beers, but I think our successes come from having a lot of beers that are, you know, pushing your palate, but still, uh, uh, um, balanced enough to make it an enjoyable drinking experience. So at what point did it kind of turn into, your assistant brewing, but then now you're kind of where you're at now is 
Brewmaster. I mean, what was that progression like coming from, you know, brewing every batch up to 2007 and getting a team assembled? Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit, how the, how the years kind of just changed? And, the, it, and on top of that, the market itself has changed over time with you, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, as we started uh, uh, growing and hiring a team and, and, and running the brewery around the clock, it, it just became a lot more to manage. You know, when you've got seven brewers working for you, and you got to worry about their schedules, and you got to worry about the raw materials. Uh, you know, ordering the grain, ordering the hops. It's just, it became, it became such a, such an operation that you know I had to kind of ease myself away from the the hands-on brewing, until eventually I was pretty much just managing the team, which had grown to I think twelve. Uh, including assistants and and, uh, and some raw material people by the time I I gave that up because even that got to be too much in this new set where you know I'm, I'm trying to stay uh, on top of not just what goes on at, at in, within the brewery but within the within the industry and I they I was they were having me travel a lot more I was doing we were opening a lot of states new markets um, and you know when you do something like that at our scale, it requires some some effort from some of them, the higher ups that people would be excited to see, like the head brewer, or the the owners. So we did a lot of traveling, um, doing events, and uh, and just trying trying to stay trying to stay on top of the trends and recipe development. Um, I wasn't able to do that and manage that team effectively. So. We uh, hired a new uh, head brewer. I think, well, he's actually called, it's actually a brewing manager now position. Um, but that was the guy who was able to take over watching the schedule and making sure shifts got covered. And I didn't have to think about that day-to-day uh, anymore. So so at that scale now where Founders is at currently, when you, you're talking about a, a brew manager, who's actually touching the brew more, more actually the physical labor of doing the brewing versus is the manager just kind of managing those brewers or is it... Yep. So there's a brew team that, that, that works all the shifts, you know, your first, second, and third shift brewers. And they come in and do it, and the managers are just there to make sure it all gets done. Wow. Yep. It's, it's such a crazy – it's just a beyond <laughs> a level of, like, what – you know, most of the guys that come on the podcast, you know, they're working at a place that's – you know, they're running a 30-barrel brew house. Maybe it's, they, it's just them or them and another couple of guys, you know, that kind of thing. So it's always interesting to hear that. Well, we have we have a lot of brew houses. So the manager, I mean, is it's, it's a full job. You know, we have the – we have the, we still have the original thirty barrel, which is that's actually my brew house now. I run the the R and D department, which is one guy, but that's got to be fun. This is not me anymore, but yeah, it's it's, it's, it's great. So development stuff. I mean, you gotta have a little fun with that, right? Yep. Uh, and uh, and that thirty barrel system now with the size of our tap room, that's actually a really good size test batch to to push through our pub. You know, we have a seven hundred seat tap room there. Uh, we move through a lot of beer. Um, yeah. And you know, and they want new stuff. They want to try. They want to, you know, like I said, it's kind of a destination spot, and people want to come there and be able to get things besides what they can get on the shelves back home. So, so we got to keep it full of that. And you know, it's a great opportunity to try out new ideas and get instant, um, pretty good feedback. And you, know, you can track how fast the beer sells. That's a pretty good indicator if it's if it's any good or it's not. Crazy. I mean, isn't that isn't that a good good piece of like the correlation to the current market now? It's like now. That's what people want. They want to come in there and get something that, haha, you couldn't get it. You can't go to the store and buy this. Yep. Like I went to the tap room and I got this one-off thing that Jeremy, you know, created. Yep. Is that that's something that you play with a little bit on that R and D level? Yeah, yeah, lots of that, and uh, 
and and, fr- and frankly, we'll track we'll, we'll we'll track that beer. We'll track the ratings. We'll track the tap the velocity of how fast the kegs go move through. And and eventually, as the as your portfolio, your your packaged beer kind of rotates through. You know, that's where these next beers are going to come from. You know, uh, things that do well in our tap room. Um, the next step is we actually send some out in a limited uh, uh, into a limited market for some draft uh, feedback. And then, you know, as we get more serious about it and, um, yeah, cause it's, uh, that's how it works these days. It's not just about me pulling a beer out of my pocket and being like, here's your next, Check this here's out. your summer yeah. seasonal. It's, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot involved these days. Just got a little crazy and I want to try this. <laughs> so talk about the, that, that kind of recipe, right? And I think like that's, that's a puzzle piece that a lot of the consumers are missing. Like what goes into that? Just sitting down and or whatever it is, however you come up with something. Well, for me these days, honestly, um, you know, I use a, a software program. It's pretty easy. It's it's you know, p- pull in your rump, pull in your malts, pull in your hops, and it will, based on how much you tell it you're using and how much you're making, it will tell you what your um, color and your and your gravity and your bitterness is all going to be. So, it's it's pretty handy like that. Um, you know, I have a bank of of malts and hops that we star, you know, we stock all the time. Um, so those are, you know, a big part of it, but in the R and D team, we, we will also get a new, new malts and hops that we don't normally use. And that's kind of, that's where that would start. And, you know, come across something we like or a beer that we make it with turns into something that will, you know, that ingredient becomes part of our repertoire too. But, but you get familiar. I think part of the, uh, being successful, uh, as a recipe developer is, is being comfortable with, with those ingredients and knowing what you're going to get out of them. Uh, at certain levels, uh, how they work with each other. Um, so, you know, you think about that, and as far as what you're trying to make, you know, it, it depends. Uh, a lot of times these days, I am working on, I'll get a new hop variety in, and I'll want to uh, just run that through the system, see see what you get for bitterness, uh, how's the flavor, how's the aroma you character. you say run that by, through the system? Like yeah, we'll make yeah. a batch. You, you get a new hop okay. in, the, one of the first things you do is you make a either a strong pale or a or an IPA that just features that hop, you know. And how do you, how do you go about kind of fleshing that out? Do you, you use people in the tap room, people you trust palates? Do you try to get, like, the regular folk palate on it? You know? Yeah, so the, 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 the metrics that we use is uh, we, have an, we have an app. Uh, uh, so much technology. I know. There's an app, uh, and you can rate. You rate the beers. You give it a number for a certain couple of different categories. Would you buy it again is a question. Um, so I track all that. We actually put it through our own sensory team, and we collect some internal scoring on it. Um, of course, I drink it a lot. And <laughs> that's part of the, my that's job. That's what I was looking for. Just, just the, you uh, drinking it, using that palate, right? I hardly ever get to drink for fun. I'm always drinking for a purpose. Oh, that's got to be weird. <laughs> that's got to be really weird. Yeah, it is weird. I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's, it it's is a bit bad. weird. Yeah, well, you probably miss it a little bit, huh? So what, are you, what are you doing when you're not at the brew? Doing, doing either the brew house or the business side of it. What are you doing when you're not doing that? Well, I got uh, two little girls. I got a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. Oh, my seven-year-old sitting right behind you right now. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So they, of course, are a riot, and uh, I love spending time with them. I'll go home, make dinner, play with the kids for a while. Um, probably pull out the guitar. I've usually got a, a, a project I'm working on, so. I'll need to do a little practicing. Yeah. Any chance you get with the guitar is a good chance. Yeah. Right? That's uh, 
depends how tired I am after I get the kids in bed. If I got some energy, I'll go play with the guitar for a little bit. Now, as a as a brewer and a guy that's homebrewed for years and years and years, so recipes. Do you love to cook too? I feel like a lot of I feel I find this a lot in brewers that they they love that building and making. Do are you a cook? I, I yeah, I love cooking. Uh, only since I became a brewer though. Before I brewed and. Really? I didn't really have the interest, but through brewing and through, um, you know, flavor manipulation I, and uh, just the love of putting delicious things on my palate, you know, I thought, man, cooking, I could, could probably cook. Yeah, I, uh, I like it for the same reason. It's, uh, I like to taste things. <laughs> uh, I like to create. Um, and, you know, a lot of people ask me, do you ever go home and make beer when you go home? And I'm like, no, Hell no, 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 no. <laughs> but I was just talking to a, 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 a sous chef the other day who also likes to brew. He goes home and he brews, but right. people are like, you go home and cook? He's like, no, we order out. <laughs> totally. Just the release of it, I yeah, guess. Yeah, huh? you just got to do something different. You got to find something, something different to do when you go home. <laughs> so now what's a day-to-day like now in, in 2018 at Founders? I mean, it's a whole different different ball game now between the market and, and the size and yeah, it's huge, man. It's a huge operation. We are now uh, a complete city block. We, a complete city block. We filled in the whole city block. Jesus. Um, we are bringing in. So, uh, aside from that 30 barrel original, we put in uh, two 80 barrel systems, and then another 80 barrel system at another facility, uh, where we store a lot of our barrels uh, and fill and empty a lot of barrels. And then we brought in the 300 barrel brew house last year, which is uh, the workhorse. That's that's kind of the all all day made us get that brew house, so we make a lot all day over there. Um, you know, filling tanks, twelve hundred barrels at a time. Um, so it's it's a big operation, and it's so we staff all those brew houses. That's why there's you know twelve twelve brewers now or whatever there is. And, yeah. Um, go around the clock, and we are probably going to max that place out here in a couple of years. Jesus. Now what? And then what? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, now it's what? what we got to figure out right now. So we're always always figuring that out. I mean, I, I think these days I spend a good portion of my time in meetings. Of course, you got to get together and talk about You're this, so corporate. this mad You're thing so that's corporate going on. Now. Well, you know, I mean, some of them are pretty terrible, but some of them are really important. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, man, it's got to make the machine move, yeah, right? You got to keep everybody somehow connected, at least on some level. <laughs> well, since it's a... Uh, it's actually happening right now in Michigan, and uh, pretty soon around here we'll be starting to see bottles of it. So talk about KBS, right? That, that's got to be an important beer for you. It is. Uh, you know, got us a lot of uh, attention, and we've been trying to make more and more of it lately to, you know, just get it out to more people. Um, not that we don't love lines around the, the brewery, um, but, man, I'd rather just... I don't know. Isn't isn't the dynamic yeah, changing honest, a little honest, bit? Man, whatever. Is, yeah. What I think is that I don't I don't like to wait or or try really hard to get a, a beer as much as I used to. <laughs> you know, I would agree with that, but also as a consumer, I actually enjoy the people you meet while you're waiting for the beer. Like, sure. So it just, oh, it's you know, a, it's a great. I mean, honestly, when it's we got its own double-edged sword. It I guess, turned so. in, the 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 KBS line turned into a party back when we were able to allow that. Is everybody say, would bring get, their they beers? Clamp down on that now. Yeah. So, you know, the, the the local law enforcement is very very good to us. They work with us on a lot of stuff, and they uh, 
they encourage us to not ha- uh, have that happen not anymore. That so, happen. you know, we took steps. We Actually, it's a really smooth process now. We uh, You buy your KBS online. And when we, t- we release it and for over an entire week, we tell you which day to come. We have a whole separate thing, and it's kind of in and out. Stop in the tap room and have a beer if you want, but, you know. Gone with um, the days of the uh, long line yeah, tailgate. No, I mean everybody likes it. The bosses still like it. We went to we took a trip to a treehouse up in the, the northeast. I've heard of them. Yeah. Uh, there's one, you know, this, to catch one of their daily releases of a new beer, and it's crazy. just to see it, you know. And we got there an hour after they opened, and uh, there was hundreds of people lined up. Waiting just chaos. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty organized. Everybody seems like they do it regularly. They know what they're doing, and they're just there. And I was like, wow, this, this is amazing. But Yeah, so what, what do you feel when you see something like that? You're like, I wish we still did it like that, or is it eh, like, yeah, it's cool. Like, it's it's cool to see, but I, for, yeah, I'm over it. We're, 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 <laughs> we're big now. I like organized. I like, and like I, I was saying, I, I, I like the fact that it's, you know, it's become easier to get KBS. You know, we have some other beers. That can come up and be that 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 hard to get unicorn that that people still enjoy the thrill of the chase of. But as far as KBS shit, it's you know I love that beer and and for it to be have been around as long as it has and had so many other you know pretty outrageous beers come to uh, you know people's attention too. I, I'm glad it still gets the attention it does. I think it's a great beer. I think it's it's you know, I talked about balance earlier. I think it's one of those beers that has a lot going on, but you know, brings all those flavors together um, in, in a balanced way, in an enjoyable drinking way. Um, it's not just not just extreme. It's just, yeah, I, I think it's well done. <laughs> so KBS, how long has KBS been being made? We probably did the first KBS in 04. Wow. That's a long time. Right? And so your name is like forever attached to that recipe, right? Am I, am I, I wrong so. about that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Trying to ask, ask you to not be humble or anything, but I, right? I feel like it's one of those beers that kind of help put you where you're at, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely proud of it. Uh, but you know, it's. Um, I guess all day, all day pays most of the bills these days. So. Is that right? <laughs> Is that right? It's about sixty percent of our of our production. Jesus. Mm. And sales too, huh? <laughs> that was the right beer at the right time. Now. The, the, the margins on that beer aren't as good as you know some of the other beers like KBS, but you know I get it. <laughs> we make uh, we make what we can, and uh, we're gonna make great beer, and and we have the ability to to you know sell it at a reasonable cost. Um, those fifteen packs were just great right. for us. Yeah, um, we can make it work. We can you know make up for it with volume that's kind of what we're built to do right now so to me one of the few uh session i guess air quotes ipas that like ever really stuck Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people did them a couple years ago you saw a lot of them all day is still being stocked everywhere and you still see people drinking it yeah i I don't know it's almost like people people gave up or something all day got too (laughs) crazy i don't know i you know they went to berliners or something i don't know right i mean of course you do worry sometimes you know, when, when you have a beer that's 60% of your production, well, what if people stop drinking it? And then you're like, uh, you know, that's a problem. That's a, re- that's a real problem. And you see it in, you know, not to name names, but some big brewers that had a flagship that's not so popular anymore. And now they're struggling. Correct. <laughs> we won't, yeah, we'll name names, but correct. So I don't, you know, but I think that the style of beer, and I'm not sure 
really why people aren't making that anymore. But I think that uh, uh, a sessionable hop forward beer is probably not going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, that's still my my go to drinking thing. <laughs> well, go go deeper on all day. I mean, like what went into that? Like, what was the thought process behind it? Where's it at? I mean, is it the same beer when it was brewed the day one to where it's brewed right now in this mass? Uh, I had to work on that recipe for a while. I, that was that was a tough one to get. That was a tough one to dial in. The thought behind it was, man, we all love hops. We we drink so much Centennial IPA, uh, but you know that's a seven point two percent beer, and you know by your by your third one, you're 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 not gonna be productive anymore. You're yes. not gonna. But you still want to drink. Yeah, but you do. You're not done drinking. You want you need more hops and. So we were all just getting a little bit, you know, <laughs> we needed a break. We needed, we knew we weren't going to drink Productivity less. was going down, huh? <laughs> but what we needed was uh, something sessionable. Why, and why couldn't you? Why can't you make a, an, a, a beer with all that hop aroma and, and flavor that you like just with less alcohol? So I set out on that path. But I, like I said, it took a lot of, of, of stabs at it just to try to that balance down, that to have something that finishes uh, uh, refreshing and crisp, but but not like dry and bitter on the palate when you're trying to accentuate those hops. Um, it was a lot of work, and then find the right hop combination. Um, but when I hit it, I hit it. And I knew I said this is this could be huge, and uh, it, uh, yeah, right beer at the right time. Once again, it was. I think that a lot of people were in the same position as me and thinking that, yeah, I could go for something that doesn't blow me out but tastes great. From that thought process, like when when you first hit it in your head and were like, taste it on your palate, and we're like, okay, this is it. I got it. I got it. Like, how does that get put into production then? Like, what, what's the process from there? Like, <laughs> well, you, they're just like, oh, we trust Jeremy. We're just gonna make. 60% of our production go to this, this <laughs> No, it didn't start like that. Internally, uh, everybody everybody agreed. They loved it. We actually sent it out for our uh, uh, summer seasonal. That's what it was going to be. Uh, but by the end of summer, we couldn't stop making it. <laughs> yeah. How long ago did that come out? This was probably 2010, 2011. Yeah. I feel like I crushed a lot of those when they first came out. There. Yeah, and then I think cans hit in 14. Yeah. Um, and now you make giant cans, right? We got tall boy we cans. Got tall boys. Uh, and of course, the 15 pack. Um, yeah, but uh, when that recipe hit, we felt pretty good. Um, of course, the next year, it was going so well, I, I hadn't contracted the hops I needed to that level, of course. What hops are in that one? Uh, Simcoe Amarillo Simcoe. is the main uh, dry hop that you get. It's got some, little, it's got some Cascade in there, uh, some Crystal. Um, but yeah, there was no getting enough Simcoe Amarillo that very that that, that next year. Uh, fortunately, that uh, and that was the year of the crunch. That was the year that you know they didn't have a good harvest. Um, so the hop industry actually designed some blended hops to to replicate those kind of things. Uh, and that got me by. <laughs> got us through a year. <laughs> That's um, great. It, it still tasted good. It wasn't quite what I had wanted, but it was good enough to keep things rolling until I can get the hops I needed. It's crazy to think like all the, the things you have to do to kind of pivot and you have to be flexible. You have to be able to move with them. I mean, now you guys are probably have this all dialed in, but I mean, there's, I mean, you still got to, I mean, I think always unforeseen stuff. I man. think the brewer's greatest skill is uh, being able to improvise and cause, cause things just don't, don't always go the way you want it to. They don't go according to schedule and you gotta, you still gotta figure it out. You gotta do something. So, so, 
what was in your thought process when you were when you were building KBS? I mean, did you think KBS would become the monster that it is now? I mean, did you see any beers before it that you were like, I want to kind of mimic something like this, or was this just like, I want a nice big ass stout, that, that bourbon, get the barrel, get everything. So that just kind of came from from Breakfast Stout, which was a beer that was a, a homebrew recipe of, of mine beer. and Nate's, uh, just the chocolate coffee. Uh, so that was the first beer that we actually ever put into a bourbon barrel, just regular breakfast out. Um, we just had. So was cu- that just the base? We came. The a, base it, is it just was. regular breakfast out. Well, it was originally. Was. Okay. Um, when we tasted those barrels after a while, I mean, we loved what the what the oak and the bourbon did to it, uh, but it was uh, it was a little bit thin. The body of the beer uh, and the coffee and chocolate were all but pretty much gone at that point. So. We tried it again the next year by increasing the uh, uh, the malt bill um, and also doubling up the chocolate coffee, uh, so it would stand the the aging a little bit better. And that's how KBS was born. So, at what point did KBS kind of come into existence? Then that was that was you put the breakfast out in there early on in in the phase, and then what a couple of years to dial it in, and then boom, now we're going to call this Kentucky breakfast. No, stout. that kind of happened the next year. Oh, yep. okay. Yep. We so one 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 year with breakfast out. In there, the next year we bumped it up, and now I'm t- we're, we filled like two barrels. It was, yeah. it, was, it, was it was nothing. It was just messing just for, around, just for us to mess around. But you know, it. it uh, I think by '04 we had like eight barrels because we had been doubling, <laughs> and uh, that was enough to, to do a package run. And that was the first run of KBS. We sold just through our store. Were you shocked like, when it started to fly a little bit? Well, it didn't like, fly. When did, when it did sat it on the shelves, kinda, and nobody yeah. was like, was I'm, not, for I'm a while. not spending $20 <laughs> on a four-pack of some beer that was aged in a God, whiskey you barrel. Why do now? I care? Right? Imagine if you charged 20 bucks a four-pack right now. <laughs> I don't, you probably wasn't even 20 bucks back then. It was probably yeah. 14 50 I don't even remember. <laughs> but nobody but nobody really understood it or was interested in spending I a bunch of money on this. it. Yeah. Until, uh, and, and, like I said, until the Beer Advocate Rate Beer got a hold of it. And then uh, that took off from there. People just got so the they, chatter. They like make an article about it, or they just just like the, just the reviews and the, the reviews of it. Reviews of it, and then it started becoming like this. It, it's the hype. It's the hype wagon. You know, it's it does it, wonders. It, it can. It can be terrible or it for you. Just or smash <laughs> you. Take all of your tears. And I've seen both sides of it. Yeah. Oh yeah, they, they're ruthless now. I mean, how do you uh, how do you deal with social media? Do you do you pay attention to it at all? Do you look at like Untapped? Do you look at Facebook, Twitter, any of that stuff? I don't. Uh, you know, I have a Facebook account, and I get added to some of these beer groups. That's how I got you here? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I tr- I try not to get too much into the comments section. <laughs> I don't know. People just say whatever they want. Oh, yeah. They don't know ruthless. that there's there's somebody that's gonna you know. I don't think they would say that to my face. No, oh, absolutely not. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't really read the ratings anymore either. It's you don't like the ones that say, uh, they don't care for stouts, and then they rate you like a <laughs> I, two? Right. Thanks. <laughs> On a KBS. Thanks. Don't care much for stouts, yeah. but I bought it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> two. Oh, that, that, yeah, the social media has really changed. I mean, you've been a person that's been in the game since before that was a, yeah. that was a thing. So, I mean, what, what's that transition been like for, for the, the market and for you personally? Well, it's uh, it puts you in direct, direct contact with your consumers, you know, it's, uh, and you can take advantage of it and you can do well. I've seen our, you know, we have a we have several people dedicated in our marketing team to, to watching this and to responding. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, but Founders Facebook does some 
they're, they're pretty on top of the responding. They'd, uh, yeah. If you ask them a question or if you even comment about stuff, they're, they'll connect with you. And I think that's, uh, you know, consumers like that. They like to feel like they're, they got a voice with right oh, to the company. Absolutely. And so you can, you can make it good. Um, you know, they, they do a good job. Like I said, I, I couldn't do that job because, you know, as soon as somebody says something snarky, well, they, you know, they're always pretty good about taking it. Yeah, they don't. Let me explain <laughs> how this happened to you. <laughs> I, would, uh, I wouldn't do so well. No? no? I don't know. I just it's get frustrated. <laughs> no, I get it. I totally get it. It's uh, your life's work. It's what you do, right? <laughs> that's right. It's what you do. You dump your heart into it. So. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, that, and people don't really realize that when they're, when they're, when they're talking there. Yeah, tap room full of people. You can tell them you put your heart into all these beers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, how about CBS too? I mean, talk about KBS, CBS. These are like powerhouses. But but what what sparked the uh, you know the absence of bottles for 2011? You know, and then now this year they released a bottle. I mean, I know it goes in the tap room once you know every so often, right? And am I right about that? Yeah. Uh, we did we did one draft only batch a little a couple years back. Okay. Um, so, so the deal with that beer. Uh, uh, a guy got a hold of me who said he had been aging uh, his maple syrup in bourbon barrels. And he wanted to know if I had any use for the barrel when he was done with it. I said, wow, that sounds like an amazing idea. What was this? Gosh, this must have been... Oh, 2008, maybe? Oh, wow. Yeah. Nine? I don't know. Oops, they all blend cool. together. <laughs> Anyways, I was like, of course. So, but the first thing that came to mind was some something breakfast-like to go in a maple barrel. So, how about you know, the, how about the, the KBS base? So, I put some in there, and uh, of course, it was amazing. But you know, they, they were just uh, that's a that's a that's a rare barrel. That's something that just is not available, available as yeah. much as you want. So, that's kind of why that beer was. You, you, you get a bunch, you, you you save it up, you, and then you release it, and then you're done. You start over. Eh? <laughs> I mean, now you know. I see like Bliss, like Bliss. Don't they have uh, barrels and stuff? I mean, so it's a little easier now to get. That There's more people into it. Yeah, there's definitely uh, more availability yeah. than there used well, to they're, be. They're putting everything in barrels now, not not right. just beer. <laughs> oh, I've <laughs> yeah, seen that. Yeah. and uh, coffee beans and, and uh, syrups. And I think it's always pretty good. I don't know, something it's about awesome. uh, something about maple. Right? Yep. Something about maple and, and the oak and all that stuff. Yeah, those works. vanilla flavors. I mean, works. it's really good. So aside from that, you mentioned earlier about travel. So how much has travel played in played into your kind of the way you approach beer anymore? I mean, are you getting inspired while you're moving around the country or out of the country and bringing things back from Europe or wherever else you're visiting? Yeah, man. Travel uh, is a big part of that. So it, it kind of goes both ways. It's, it's me going somewhere um, and and making a presence whether it be to talk to um you know talk to fans or even talk to our our sales force that's there those sales people they don't spend hardly any time like at the mothership you know a couple times a year they will but they don't you know for them to really understand the culture and then the product that they're they're they're, they're representing out there they are founders out there so as much as you can get those guys to be on board with you know our philosophy and, and 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 things like that. So for me to go there and spend some spend a couple of days driving around with those guys and talking, you know, I think that's that's helpful for them. But it's, these trips are also really helpful for me to keep my finger on the on the pulse of what's going on out there. Um, you know, America is it's it's huge and it's and it's very uh, diverse as far as the the beer scenes everywhere and the things that people are into. Um, so you know, number one, I want to go around and and check on. Um, what the people there think of my beer, how my beer is holding up. 
Um, but I also want to see what else is going on. What, how are you what, accomplishing that? When you, when you to find out how your beer is doing, is just talking, is just conversations. Well, I mean, you go around, you you uh, you look at dates in, in the stores, and uh, you get your beer on tap, and okay. um, and you talk to people about what they like uh, of your beers or or, or don't, <laughs> and um, yeah, and like I said, you see what el- see what else, see what people are into. Um, oh man, have you ever tried this beer from down the street? You gotta try this, and you can, you can sense trends, and you get to know new breweries that you haven't had before, uh, and you get inspired. You know, sometimes I just uh, I had a trip to California a couple months ago, and I had my first grisette ever, and it was uh, delicious. And I just I came back and wanted to make one. So. Where was the grisette from? Don't remember that. No, I don't right. know. Well, that's the other thing, isn't it? I, it's, 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 these trips are always such a whirlwind. And it's business, and it's the uh, you know the salespeople get a hold of you, and they want to take you around to all their favorite places. And so by the end of the night, you've been to six places and you're having beers all the time. And it's I think I, the only grisette I've ever had notes. was like Penrose, and Penrose does a damn good job with them up in uh, Batavia or Geneva, Illinois. Yeah, they, okay. they, they do a damn good job. They do nice. a nice grisette. They do a lot of wilds and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They concentrate on that, but. No, it's a, you. You said a, a word. You said trends and things. So I can't help but ask you, like, what the current trends? Dessert stouts, hazy IPAs, big juice bombs. What, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts <laughs> on the industry and where they're at? Well, and you mentioned Treehouse earlier. You saw what that is in firsthand. Yep. Be honest. I mean, you know, whatever. Whatever you want to say. Well, you know, we we have a lot of salespeople out in the industry, and they're they are seeing the success of, of certain styles. So of course, the the first thing they want to do is come back and tell me, "Oh man, can you make me one of these? <laughs> I could really sell one of these." Uh, <laughs> but you know, what does Jeremy think when they, <laughs> when they tell him that? You know, there's some some good ideas sometimes, but I've also I think I'm in the the position I am because I've done a pretty good job of recognizing. When when to when to get on a trend, when to let it pass, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the, the the current thing with with the hazy IPA, uh, it's it's cool. It's it's got a place. I don't know that um, a, a high volume, large, uh, wide ranging distributing brewery is, is is probably not a good idea for them. <laughs> I just don't think those beers are going to hold up very well. Uh, and does that play in with like the packaging and then sitting on shelves and, totally. and amounts that you're making of it? Okay. There's a reason Freshness, that somewhere basically. somewhere that you can make it work at a place like Treehouse, because people come in the day it's 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 packaged, they buy it, and they're probably drinking it pretty damn quick. At least it's not going to sit in, in a wholesaler's uh, warehouse, and then on, on a truck to a store, and then on a store shelf. You know, there's a you know. There's a reason that most of those breweries are, you know, not distributing. You go there, you get it, and that's it. So it'll be interesting, you know. There's uh, protects uh, them, protects them from that, you know, possibility. Yeah, they don't have to mess with that. Well, I think they know that that those beers are not going to hold up well. So we'll see. There's uh, there's some big um, breweries with with wide range distribution that are that are dipping their toes into it. So Saw Sam Adams and we'll uh, yeah, Sierra Nevada, Belgium made their, own, made their own hazy quote unquote. Yeah. So I don't know. I I don't I don't need the haze. I don't particularly um, find it appealing. I get. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I I like uh, I like I like like a classic clarity. I like pretty is beer. A, yeah. Is that is a classic homebrewers mentality? This you know German <laughs> purity law. <laughs> I just uh, I think that's just a step you could take, and I don't think it would hurt the beer that much. It would probably help it. 
That's yeah. what I say. Yeah. Some people call it the mouthfeel and they want to get that in there. I mean, this is the chewy, the chewiness. Yeah. So on the other side of that coin, the, the dark stuff, when it comes to, I mean, KBS, CBS, yeah, I mean, CBS with the maple in it, it's kind of... You kind of look at it like a like a dessert stout, but like some of these people are throwing vanilla and cinnamons and you know, God knows, toast marshmallows and anything else you can think of into stouts. I mean, is that something that you guys would do to like a KBS recipe, add junk basically? You know, that's come up. We've we really have tried to not do that any more than we already have with breakfast stout, KBS, CBS, <laughs> and uh, you know that's a I think that's a, a slippery slope, and you can find some winners in there, but. I think we'd rather probably just try to create some new, some new stuff, some new ideas. I know that the bosses don't love uh, hopping on trends; uh, they'd rather start something cool. Um, so that's, you know, I'm always thinking about that. I, I'm not a very good brewer of traditional styles and stuff like that. I would rather take what I like about something traditional, but you know, make it m- more to my liking. So. I think in those ways, there's there's endless opportunity for coming up with some interesting new things and keeping it fresh. And um, we're 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 getting a bit big to be handling um, those kind of strange ingredients. You know what I mean? I have to be careful now when I'm inventing a beer. Like if I did want to invent a beer with with marshmallow and graham cracker, well, I got to think about how am I going to do that at you know. 20,000 barrels a year you know there's 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 a line where I think we've crossed the line of uh, of 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 do whatever you want brewery to now well think about it you know you gotta you gotta package this beer and and have it be shelf stable and uh, you know and yeah and not make it not around the country and not make it such an incredible pain for your um, production crew to even perform you know yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's bad enough with a with bunch the, of brewers to get on the same page. With the breakfast yeah. out and the extra steps of dealing with the chocolate and the coffee. I mean, that's a big deal. You know, we make a lot of that beer now. And of course, when I first made it in the tap room, you'd make it once, twice a year, and then everyone's having a riot because it smells great. But it's a lot of extra work. You know, now you're at the point where you got a crew that's trying to do it. You know, round the clock, and they're they're all hating on you for <laughs> all the extra work you made them do. Son of a bitch. So, how about uh, hops? Do you like to play around with hops still, or are you just kind of like you, you got a group of them that you love and that you guys are always contracted, and then you stick with those, or do you, you still mess around on the R and D side with hops? Yeah, I love the new varieties. I think that's another uh, avenue that's going to kind of take off. Um, it already is. You know, there's there's breeders that are committed to. You know, coming up with at least at least one or two new varieties a year, and and really um, hitting up the brewers for for direct feedback. And um, you know, we work with a lot of hop growers direct, and and a lot of our vendors um, look to us for doing R and D on some of these new varieties and and seeing how it goes. Because these growers just really don't know. You know, when they rub a hop, you can it smells like this in your hand, but by the time it goes through the brewing process, well, then what does it smell like? What's so it they bring don't, in? What's it bring into the beer? They don't know. They don't know until it's actually done. So, you know, I'm in a pretty good position to get some of these new varieties in and try them out and and kind of have first first access to them. Do you go to a lot of hop rubs? I've seen those, seen the hop rubs from from a distance. It looks yeah. like a good time. Yeah, we we rub Tables hops all the and time. Bricks full full of hops. Yeah, so. we just break them off and rub them. Yep, we 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 do that quite frequently at the brewery. And uh, every year at, at harvest time, we'll go out to the Yakima Valley where most of our hops come from and we'll rub the hops that we are actually, the specific hops that we're buying. And also while we're out there, check out a lot of those new varieties too that, that, that the growers are getting excited about. 
It's like cryo hops. I've heard that a lot. I've seen that a lot. Is that something that you guys are messing around with, or is that you guys are just trying some of these new varieties of hops? Or yeah, uh, varieties. Um, um, you know, products. Uh, we've done. We've been messing around with the cryo on the R and D side. There's a. Uh, a lot of potential as far as uh, hot products goes too. I think people are really just starting to figure out what it is exactly that um, you know makes the flavor, the aroma, uh, awesome. And um, there's going to be a lot of advancements, and uh, beers are going to have an opportunity to get really, really, really good. What does a cryo hop bring versus your run- regular run-of-the-mill pellet hop? So cryo hop basically. You're, yeah. Uh, for my weed reference, it's like taking the keef. It's like taking the uh, taking the crystals. It's taking all the uh, um, oils, basically. Uh, and what you're doing is you're leaving behind the vegetable material, so you're just getting the oils in there. Um, you know, there's there's pros and cons. It's so once that hits the brewing process, what is how what effect does that have on the on the end user on a beer? Well, what it, you know what the way they're selling it is either uh, you can you can use about half the amount of cryo that you would need to use in regular pellets, um, and it doesn't cost quite twice as much. So there's some value there too. Uh, or if you really want to go for a huge huge dry hop addition. Uh, you know, you wouldn't have to use quite as much cryo as you would pellets. And also by not having that vegetable material in there, you're going to recover more beer out of it because you're not getting soaked up in the, in the okay. you know, the vegetable part so of the, the hop. The efficiency bumps up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Especially with the size that you guys are doing, probably, probably really. Yeah. Well, you know, it, we, we found it's not a direct replacement. It's, it's not quite the same. I think there's a lot of uh, polyphenols and, and character that are in that vegetable material that you do want. They have positive. They, they um, bring their own They bring to their the own. party, so yeah. It's, okay. I think it's, uh, you know, the best way to do it would be some sort of combination of the two. But I can definitely see there's, there's value there. We've, we've really enjoyed some of the beers we've done with it. Do you leave that to your brewers or are you like, are you at that table having that conversation yeah that's you know the brewers will take over once the recipe is established I mean I I, of course I value everyone's opinion and then they're all part of the sensory team where we would you know make those kind of calls to see if it's is it actually better than than what's going on so we we evaluate a lot of process potential process changes through our sensory panel okay so what's next for for founders I mean what's coming up here what do you guys got on deck? What's Jeremy Jeremy Cosmicky specifically got on deck? I mean, you just cool where you're at right now, head head brewer or brewmaster at, at yeah. Founders. I mean, I mean, I'm having a great time. I'm I get to like I said travel a lot and design recipes and uh, I can't imagine a better job. So but I'm I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Man. I'm good for now. <laughs> do you guys got events coming up? Anything big? I mean, I know KBS is going to go out to more people soon. And yeah, uh, that's back always at big the, for the beer nuts. Back at the brewery, of course, we'll do a, we do a party every summer, Founders Fest. Uh, it's third Saturday of June, but we get a, a big stage in, block off the street, get a bunch of killer bands, and we had like seven thousand people come last year and drink wow, beer 7, out 000? the street. And, mm-hmm. No, it's quite a party. All right, so tie that into my next uh, thought <laughs> when you say when you say seven thousand people, and I'm, I'm I'm flashing back to our conversation about a city block of founders. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you build that relationship with the community? What what does founders mean to that that city itself that you're in? Yeah, you know, the thing about that founders fest party is it brings out a lot of people. I mean, people that you would never see at the brewery, but just they know that founders throws a great party. Uh, and that we're always involved with the music. You know, we do music down there. What is it? It's open mic Tuesdays and then uh, Thursdays and Saturdays and some Sunday shows. So it's it's a pretty big part of what we do too. 
um, just creating a, a, an environment, an atmosphere where you, people can come and hang out. And it's always chill. You know, we only sell our beer. Um, so you're not going to have people drinking whiskey and getting bites. You know, it just doesn't <laughs> no? happen there. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> well, actually, we kind of like that. But. <laughs> um, but, yeah, people just know that... Uh, yeah, you know, we we Grand Rapids won uh, some Beer City designation a couple of years ago, and they love to play on that. And uh, um, you know, Founders is a big part of that. Everybody comes, checks out Founders, and then they go check out the dozens and dozens of other uh, cool spots in the city. And so yeah, these how are many, these how are, many these breweries are, are in Grand Rapids now? I don't even remember. Like it's 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 dozens. Yeah, it's dozens. Oh wow. Yeah, of varying sizes. You know, yeah. there's um, you know. Mostly small, mostly small time, um, local stuff. But you know they're all succeeding, and, and some of them making really good beer. Oh, it's awesome. Do you ever do collabs or anything with those guys? Like, do you ever? I haven't done a whole lot of collabs in in general. Uh, really, just a handful. Um, I don't know. They they sometimes they feel a little forced to me, and then it's like the, the whatever they come up with is I don't know. To me, if it's not like something earth shattering then it's i don't know it's kind of a, it's just <laughs> a beer. why'd you bother it's just a beer <laughs> could have done that yourself right <laughs> but you're just doing it for yeah, some sort of marketing out, right yeah. well i like that too and I, I made it some really good friends through collabs and um they definitely uh, uh have a purpose and i like if you can keep it low-key maybe just right. uh, do some draft of it or something just when you get into the hole and we're gonna put this in a bottle and send it out and and, and wax and dip it. We've even looked into that before. And, and if your if your whole if your distributors don't line up in in some markets, then you got problems there too. And it's like, yeah, you know what? It's just not worth it. So you guys are too big. You just have so much. We, we, we don't get to have any fun anymore. Yeah. No more fun. <laughs> no more fun at Founders, I guess. No, that's not true. <laughs> no, we have that's a lot of fun. Yeah, we have a lot of fun. It's just a different kind. We've uh, we've had to get real tight about some 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 things. Uh, you know, safety uh, and, and um, cleanliness are. You know, have always been top of the list, but it, they get more focused than ever these days. Oh yeah, is there multiple tap rooms or? We have. Uh, we just opened a, a, a Detroit facility uh, late last year, so okay. we sent our little four barrel system over there. So they're actually brewing, and uh, it's right down by the new arena, and um, it's going to do pretty well for us. How do you, how do you control like quality control that from a distance? I mean, you just you know, we sent most of the people, most of the main people came from from our from the Grand Rapids place. Uh, the brewer over there is one of our shift brewers. Uh, he's doing a great job. He, he emails me all his recipes before he makes them, so I, I go, go over them, and then he sends back uh, growlers after they're kegged, and we put them through sensory. So he stays in touch. You know, he's he, he's an extension of my R&D team, really, he, on, a, on a much smaller scale, so we can make four barrels or something. Um, and run that, run a couple point. of those through a week. So he's, you know, I'm using him for a lot of uh, projects that you know deserve a smaller scale. At the scale of founders, like, do you have to break places up, like states by regions, or do you like regions of states? Like, how do you, how do you approach that from that research level? Like, Detroit, different demographic, different different area than Grand Rapids. It is, yeah. I mean, sometimes okay. it's sometimes it's it's that close. Sometimes it's you know it's a bigger region, but. You know, it's it's just it's different everywhere, and then you know, international too. I've been traveling quite a bit because we're in almost thirty countries now. Really? Um, you know, most of it pretty small scale, dipping your toe Still. in the water. But you know, just 
There's going to be, those markets are going to develop at some point. To think over an ocean, there's somebody pouring one of your beers out of a tap is kind of yeah, a cool thing. Yeah, it is. And, and to go there and, and see it and try it and, and see what else is on tap, and it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. So do you have anything on deck? Do you guys have anything, any special releases, any beers uh, you know, like that, that you, you know are coming soon here? Is it just kind of constant develop and research? And well, I can only talk about stuff I've read on Facebook, okay. so I, can't, right. I don't know. <laughs> what's, what's the latest? You tell me. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't know, man. I was it's, hoping you'd have uh, some, some groundbreaking stuff. We've got, uh, we've got PC Pills out right now for our uh, summer seasonal. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, that's a, that's, you know, I drink a lot all day, but when PC comes out, I've, I've been drinking probably more PC. Now, what I've heard from talking to brewers is they prefer the pills or the lager at any beer fest or brew day. It's like that's what they want to drink. They're, they're, they're easier it. drinking. They're easy on the palate. Um, you know, there's palate fatigue is real. <laughs> it's real. It's a thing, and uh, I don't mind blowing up my palate and tasting some cool stuff. I don't, I also don't mind just drinking and not thinking about it and, and just having something that tastes good. And, you know, PC, PC is, is definitely more crafty. It's, uh, so that's an American hopped Pilsner, so it's definitely not traditional. It's not going to win any uh, Pilsner competition. So, so how's that man. one built? Um, I, I structured it like a Pils. It's got a Pils uh, uh, yeast, and, you know, it's got a little bit of corn in it. Uh, but I, went, I attacked it with American hops instead of where people would normally use, you know, something noble you know what american hops do you use it's uh it's a sea hops it's cascade uh centennial and chinook so classic yeah and i went classic because well these days these proprietary hops are hot but you know you you can get yourself into some trouble with them um it's just with 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 price and availability um and i just wanted to throw out to those public varieties that uh everybody can grow and uh, kind of feature those things, and uh, they work really well together. Some great beers brewed with those hops, you know, some <laughs> of the best. So let's not forget about them. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure we, you know, kept those going strong. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we've done an hour. You got places to be. I'm gonna let you get out of here. But is there anything else you wanna wanna leave uh, leave the uh, folks thinking about founders? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> we we covered a lot of ground, I guess. And we did some stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for oh, having no, me. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks to Colt here and Iron and Glass for letting <laughs> us use their <laughs> use their space and feeding us founders red rye here while we're while we're talking. Um, and right. thanks for the people in the tap room here that came out to see Jeremy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You guys are awesome. Yeah, let's hear it for Jeremy Cosmicki from Founders Brewing. Aww, right? thanks. He's made some of the best beers anyone's ever had. He's taking time out of his busy schedule. Now he's got to go do a keynote. So if anybody has speech ideas for him, uh, he'll be taking all suggestions. Yeah, right I didn't now. plan anything, so <laughs> just tell me what you want to hear. <laughs> all right, come, will you just come and ask me questions online? We'll just do this again at the place. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, there you go. Everybody make a line? No. No, but I appreciate you coming out and doing this with me. I mean, it was a pleasure. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, that has been Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast with uh, Jeremy Kosmicki from Founders Brewing. And we're out. Cheers.